Hello and welcome back to Zach's Fact Check. This is Zach, your host. Thank you for finding me and listening to this podcast where we learn all kinds of crazy things. Today's going to be a little different. I'll explain that in just a second. First, I want to remind you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with your friends. Today especially is going to be very important that you do that. We're going to be covering some pretty important topics, and I want people to be able to hear hopefully what will be well-reasoned arguments on this subject. First, you can find us on Apple, on Spotify, on Amazon, on Stitcher, but the place you can find me is also anchor.fm forward slash Zach's Fact Shack. That is where you'll be able to message me with topic ideas, with questions, with comments, concerns, things like that. Just reach out to me there. I'd love to hear from you guys, and I'd love to be able to expand the reach of this show, to expand the scope of the show, maybe bring on some guests, things like that. Just reach out to me, let me know, and we'll be able to go from there. I want to thank you for listening uh, continually and giving me uh, the feedback that you have given me. It has been very helpful. Hopefully, uh, what I've been doing is kind of listening to you and tweaking what I have. Hopefully, you'll enjoy it more as we progress and as we move on. But I digress. So today, I want to cover a topic that is in the news And it is heated, without a doubt. And that is, I want to cover the leaked draft of a Supreme Court decision that happened this week. So, if no one, if you, if you've not heard of this, if you've not paid attention or been living under a rock, uh, what's happened is that in December, the Supreme Court heard a case against a Mississippi state abortion law which restricted abortions to no later than 15 weeks. This is considered to be against the Roe versus Wade decision that was also held up or upheld in the Casey versus uh, Ferguson uh, case, I believe that's, I know it's Casey. I believe it's just called Casey, but I can't remember what the, uh, the, the secondary, um, part of that title is anyway, it was overturned Casey versus Planned Parenthood. There we go. That's what it was. That case also upheld Roe. This lawsuit is alleging that this law does not stay within the bounds of those two decisions and that it should be struck down. Strangely enough, both sides actually argued that. They both argued that this law cannot stand if Roe, if the Roe and Casey decisions remain in place. So it's kind of interesting that that's the case is that both are arguing the same thing from two different viewpoints. The This Mississippi state law is desiring to strike down Roe to give the states the opportunity to write the laws of the land for each of their citizens as the citizens vote for it. The U.S. government is arguing that the law should be struck down because there is a constitutional right to abortion laid out in Roe. 
this document that was leaked is evidenced and it 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 has been confirmed to be leaked from the Supreme Court is is a genuine document it wasn't forged or anything like that it is real according to Chief Justice John Roberts but it's a draft opinion meaning that it does not hold any legal weight right now there are currently 5 justices that are voting with this opinion but that number of votes can change at any moment for any reason until the decision is made public officially. That's where we're at right now. And that's what the problem with this leak is, is it seems that it's an intimidation tactic against the justices. Politico broke the story. um, I believe Monday night, uh, I was sitting on the couch watching, I, I think the Braves were on at the time. I was watching the Braves or something like that. And uh, my Apple Watch uh, you know, vibrated because I have it on silent. I hate the noises that it makes. And so it's vibrated on my arm. I look and I see, come across my watch, that breaking Supreme Court strikes down Roe v. Wade. And... I was shocked. I immediately pulled my phone up and started looking. And I go in and I read the story. Shocking. Header, the, the headline was not exactly accurate. Um, I won't badmouth the news agency that did that. They are conservative, but yet still. Come on, guys. Quit. Don't give false headlines. I mean, how hard can that be, people? Don't do false headlines. Give us the reality of the situation, not some bait and switch. So I get in there, I read the article, and it simply it's a very short article, and it simply says that the draft is out, it's been leaked, it's not official, nothing's actually changed. We're kind of just sitting here waiting and wondering what's going to happen, looking for the official release of the decision. And then it links to Politico. So I'm going to read to you the Politico article now as we progress through this, and I, I, I want to I move forward with what the Politico article actually said that was released on Monday night. So from Politico, the Supreme Court appears ready to overturn its landmark decisions establishing the right to an abortion. According to a draft opinion obtained and published by Politico, a decision that, if finalized, would dismantle 50 years of precedent and pave the way for states to severely curtail abortion rights in the United States. The leak of a draft opinion from the Supreme Court is breathtaking and unprecedented in modern times and has already sent shockwaves through Washington and the nation. Before I go any further, I do want to make two points there. One, the idea that precedent is the end-all, be-all in law is not really Concrete, And what I mean by that is simply this, that there have been times that previous courts' decisions have been overturned because they were so egregiously wrong. Many cases have been repealed or overturned because they were just wrong, whether they were evil with the Dred Scott decision, whether they were stupid and asinine. They have been repealed because they were 
bad precedent. You can repeal or overturn and overrule former cases because they're bad. And I, I'm sorry, I want to apologize. I keep using the wrong word, and that is repeal. And the, the reason I think that I'm honestly using that is because, unfortunately, the Supreme Court, which is supposed to be a judicial body, not a legislative body, has be, been for so long legislating from the court and from the bench that to it, it, we, when you repeal a law, that is the act of the legislature who has written a law. They now write another law that repeals the old law. That's not the word that should be used or even thought of with the Supreme Court because it should be overturning a bad court decision, not repealing law. The Supreme Court should not be writing law. And the problem with Roe is that it really wrote law that was not on the books from anywhere else. They did not allow the legislatures of the states or the federal government, for that matter, or of the people to write an amendment to the Constitution. Instead, the bench legislated with nine unelected men in, in 1973, I believe. That's ridiculous. How, how in the world did we get to a place where nine unelected people had the right to legislate to the American people what they should consider moral or immoral? That's ridiculous. We have the ability to vote. We have the ability to tell our representatives, this is what we want, and you can do that, or you can get out of office. We don't have that recourse with the Supreme Court, which is why the Supreme Court was never meant to write laws. And this draft opinion clearly states that they are attempting to fix the imbalance that has been in place for 50 years when the Supreme Court wrote federal legislation from the bench. This draft is attempting to fix that problem. Sorry, a little distracted. Also, this leak is unprecedented. It has never before happened in this way, ever. The closest that I know of that we got to this is with the actual Roe decision in 1973. The final decision was leaked under embargo to the press for them to pre-write their stories so that when the final decision came out, they could go to the presses immediately and have that out and ready to go. That hasn't happened this in this case. In fact, this one is so egregiously different. What, what happens in the Supreme Court is simply this. The, the nine justices sit on the bench in the Supreme Court chamber, and they hear arguments for a set amount of time from each side, for and against whatever the case is. Then they retire from the chamber. They think, they write down their ideas, they have their clerks 
bring them information as they request it, as they're thinking and going through this, then they will schedule a time to meet in a private chamber. No one is allowed in this chamber, save for the nine justices. That's it. And they are so concerned with the privacy of this chamber that there's actually an airlock system style thing where you have an outer door and an inner door. So the outer door, someone would would come in, they would if, if they had to pass a note to a justice, the clerk would come in through the outer door, shut that door firmly, then they would come and they'd knock on the inner door. The junior most uh, justice is tasked with the menial tasks because, you know, why not? Uh, I believe they, to the point that they even have to get coffee for the other justices. This justice would then go to the door, open it, receive the message, shut the door, and go back to their business and take the message to whoever it was for, while the clerk would then leave that chamber, that outer chamber. That's how private they want these deliberations to be. Because think about it. If you're going to talk about a law that has to be passed and changed, or again, I'm talking about the wrong thing. If you're talking about a law that should be uh, struck down, by the opinion of the court, if you're talking about a precedent that should be overturned by the opinion of the court, if you're talking about someone having the right to life on a death penalty case that was that they're saying was decided unjustly, all the different cases that come before the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court should have the right and the ability to freely speak as they are trying to formulate their opinions in their own minds that they can write them down for those around them to hear and see. And sometimes they're going to say dumb things. Sometimes they're going to say incomplete thoughts and they're going to try to figure it all out. And that's because it is a safe place for them to do that. No one is supposed to know about these deliberations. When the final vote or when the vote is cast in that room, five, four, six, three, unanimous, whatever it is, the chief justice has the right to assign who will write the majority opinion if he is in the majority. If he is not, it goes to the senior most justice in the majority. In this case, that would be a 5-4 decision without Chief Justice Roberts. This would be Thomas who would be the senior most justice on the majority side. And he seems to have given this case to Alito to write out the argument for. Now, what will happen then is the person will have, the person tasked with writing the opinion will write the opinion. They will bring in all of their clerks. They will bring in all of the law books, all of the stuff. They will condense it down into this opinion, into a draft opinion, of which they will then circulate to the other justices and allow them the chance to read the opinion and either change their vote or keep their vote or maybe change the document and the argument. Maybe they think that this argument's too weak. Maybe they think it's too strong. Maybe they should need to be a little more of a scissor cut here instead of a just a sledgehammer all over the place. And they'll go back and forth with these drafts and tweak and adjust. They'll look for all the way down to grammatical errors. They will try to get rid of all of those so that this is pristine when it is finally released. This goes all the way down to the fact that if you print any of these documents, 
apparently they have a way to forensically see where this was printed from and by who, but it cannot leave. Nothing leaves the Supreme Court building. Nothing. Everything that you print out before you can get up from your desk has to be put into a shredder and it has to be shredded first horizontally, then vertically, and then burned. Nothing is readable. Nothing can be gleaned from anyone sitting outside beside the garbage cans. That's how important security of their decisions and their deliberations is to the Supreme Court. So it's no wonder that Chief Justice Roberts, when he came out and admitted that this was, in fact, a genuine draft of an opinion from the Supreme Court. It is not the opinion of the Supreme Court. That will come out later. He was furious. And he wanted, he if you read his brief but very uh, pointed statement, he wants heads to roll. He wants the person who did it to be found. And I'm sure he, that, that person will at the very minimum be fired, if not fully disbarred or prevented from passing the bar in their life. Their legal career will be over. Whether or not it's a legal thing where they, it's a crime of what they did was a crime, that gets a little more gray. And we're, I'm not quite sure what they'll find. But if, I do know if the person that did it lies to the officers that are investigating, then it will be a crime and they will be punishable under law for lying to a federal officer. Now, all of that political stuff aside, I know that this whole topic is fraught with fear and emotion. It's got pain, heartache. There's no end of ways to hurt someone emotionally, to offend them. And it's generally a topic best left untouched. But I believe that this is a topic that is too important to leave untouched. And so I am going to tread forward in this and I am going to speak the best way I know how to what I believe is morally correct, scientifically correct, and is what we should be doing. I've already just said that Roe was wrong in how it decided abortion rights. The biggest thing being that it should be left to the states, basically off of the 10th Amendment, which is any powers not expressly given to the federal government or expressly denied to the state, to the people, shall be reserved for the states and the people, respectively. There is no express protection or right or power given to any of the branches of government to protect the right to abort a baby. There is not. It is not expressly in the document anywhere. And therefore, it's also not expressly denied to the state governments. Therefore, it must be the state's decision 
in their legislative bodies as they determine what this should be and how it should go forward. It cannot be a federal decision, not constitutionally. Even even the decision of, or even a law passed by the federal government would still be wrong. It would still be wrong because that power is not given to them in the Constitution. They do not have the right to regulate that. It is not expressly given to them, and it cannot be usurped, and we cannot allow it to be usurped. Anyone who thinks that the federal Congress has the right to pass law enshrining abortion is wrong. They simply are. This is a state's decision and a state's decision only. No federal power exists for this in any way. None. Now, let's look at the reality of the moral side of this. If you look, there's not a really good way to argue for an unborn child not being alive from the moment of conception, and I'll explain why. If you try to move the defining mark of a person, of a human being who is living and has value, if you try to move that mark anywhere after the point of conception, that mark can also be drawn to living, breathing, walking around, talking adults outside of the womb. If the point of birth is the place where abortion can no longer take place, then that means that location is simply the method by which we convey personhood, which simply means that if a fascist government were to become in power, let's say your worst enemy was to gain full power, and they determined that wherever you was, I'm using the proper English there, they, they determined what, wherever you was, was not where a person could be. They would remove your personhood and your rights. And they could treat you however they wanted, as an animal, as property, whatever they could. Now, that might be an extreme and a, you might say, that's just, that's a straw man. It's a fear mongering. No, it's not. See, here's the thing. Eventually, maybe in 100 years, maybe 200, maybe 300 years, eventually, someone with evil intent and full control will make that decision. They will determine who a person is. They will determine who has rights. You can't allow location to determine personhood and our unalienable rights given to us by God. You cannot let location determine that. So let's move it further. And the reason that at nine months in the point of birth, that's only location is because inside of a mother's womb, outside of a mother's womb, it's the same child. You can see them on 3D ultrasounds, on all kinds of incredible medical machines, you can see this, that this is a fully developed human baby, both in and out of the womb. 
Location is the only difference of pre-birth, post-birth. That's it. Some might say, well, it's whenever they are able to sustain themselves. Well, that usually happens right around 12 years. You heard me right. I didn't say weeks. I didn't say days. I said 12 years. Because you ask any mom or dad and you tell, I would love to hear from any mom or dad who honestly thinks that a baby, a newborn baby is self-sufficient. You are up day and night, sleepless nights, sleepless days, running on adrenaline for years as your baby grows and is desperate for every ounce of help that you can give it because they are incapable of doing anything. They they can't do anything for themselves. But yet, if you talk to almost any human being in the country, they would tell you that you could not murder a baby. You could not murder a two-year-old. That would be evil. And those people should be rightly put to death. There's nothing good in them. But yet, we're going to say the same thing about an unborn child who's the same, simply in a different location. That doesn't make any sense. The child will not be self-sufficient for years. And I say 12. Honestly, it it, it varies from person to person. (laughs) Some people are not self-sufficient until they're 50. I've seen a lot of grown boys walking around. Not men, but boys. These self-sufficient children don't exist. There is no self-sufficient baby. There is no self-sufficient, self-sustaining toddler. They desperately need their parents. So if you're prepared to say that they have to be self-sustaining, then you're prepared to say that a child can be murdered by their parents with no recourse. And I hope and I pray that that's not what you're saying because that's evil. That is purely evil. Okay, well, what about in the case of sexual assault? Okay, what if I grant that to you? What if I say, yes, I will let you have that. All children conceived by rape, you can abort those if the mother chooses. But all other abortions have to stop. Would you give it to me? If you can't immediately say yes, then why did you bring it up? You cannot legislate from the edge to avoid the middle. You can't do it. You're wanting me to allow for a very, very small case. I'm going to pull up these numbers so I don't get them wrong. This is from the department that keeps records for Planned Parenthood. All right. This is from their records department. Not me. I'm not making it up. This is from their department. Let's say that. We're going to give you rape and incest. You can, those abortions can still happen. All right. We'll give that to you. Let's see how many those are. For 
pregnancies resulting from an incestuous relationship. That's 0.001%. Where the woman was raped was 0.085%. What about if the mother's life is in danger? I'll even give you that. Because I am of the opinion that if you're going to lose both lives, you should save at least one. You should save at least one life if you're going to lose two otherwise. If we throw that in, that is 0.065% of all abortions. So you put that all together, and if I remember, if I did my math right, that is 0.151 percent of all abortions. All other abortions have to stop. They have to end. I'll give you that percentage. I will give you the 0.151% of abortions to save the other lives. Of the 2,600 lives taken every day by abortion, roughly, roughly, maybe three are off of these cases. Three out of 2,600. So why are you asking me about a thing that almost doesn't happen? Is it because you know you cannot defend the atrocities that is, the atrocity that is abortion? Abortion is evil in all of its aspects. It just is. And the fact that it was that the Supreme Court tried to legislate it from the bench and that law, that law, that case, it might be about to be overturned. Do you, do you know what that even means? A lot of people don't. A lot of people think that whenever Roe is overturned, suddenly abortions will be illegal. And that could not be the furthest thing from the truth. I believe the statistic right now is that 86% of all abortions will still take place. 86%. So no, when Roe is overturned, it will not outlaw abortion. It will then go to the states to decide what will happen. And if you live in California, you can actually kill your kid up to 28 days after birth. Yeah. You can kill your kid up to 20 days after they have been born. 28 days. And anyone who interferes with the death of the child will be liable to criminal charges. Anyone who tries to step in and save that child's life will be subject to criminal charges. Yeah, but you can have that. That's in California. You can go there if you want. They'll even, they're even trying to pass a law now where they will pay transportation and cost of abortion for anybody who wants it. Yep, they will pay to get you there. They will pay for the abortion. They will pay to send you home. So don't tell me that abortion will suddenly be outlawed because it won't. Don't tell me it's going to fall on the poor. It's not. 
It's going to give kids the chance to be born and to live. That's what it's going to do. See, in Georgia, we would move to the heartbeat bill law that has been passed and is in is in uh, court limbo at the moment. We would that would then become enacted and that would take over and that would move in. And you would not be able to abort a baby after a fetal heartbeat is detected. And that can range anywhere from 6 to 12 weeks, depending on the kid. Many people say, well, a woman might not even know she's pregnant before 6 weeks. And? See, I, I, I understand that. I get it. But I still think that abortion is murder. So why would I think that being able to abort a child before six weeks is any better than after six weeks? You see, if I say that life begins whenever there's a heartbeat, what do you say to the person who has a pacemaker and doesn't sustain their own heart? What do you say to the person who is on dialysis and can't sustain their own kidney function and they have to be helped? What do you say to the person who's in a coma and is not aware of their surroundings, not sentient? Can you kill these people? Can you go and slit their throat? Of course not. See, whether you believe that it's a life or a potential life, you would still say you cannot kill these people. So why would we say we can kill babies? You see, I know I'm a man, and I'm not supposed to have a say on women's issues, but I have been reliably informed that men can have babies too. I've been told that. Men can be pregnant. So that means that I have a say-so. You can't sit here and tell me that the left's insanity is okay because it's not. There's a lot of people that will hate what I'm saying. And I'm okay with you hating what I'm saying. But I need you to listen right now. I still love you. I still care for you. And if I ever come across to you, I will do everything in my power to help you. You see, we may not agree on something that I think is clearly obvious. But what we can do is understand We can understand each other. And we can have this debate. We can have this conversation. And we can move forward. You see, I know people in my life who have suffered sexual assault. I know people in my life that feared that they might have to have a child from the man who raped them. 
And I say to them the same thing I say to you. I love you. And I will do everything in my power to help you. But that child did not request to be conceived. That child did not do anything worth having its life taken from it. You know, I know a lot of people who think that I should have brought in the Bible and Scripture and Jesus at this point. And while that has its place, this isn't it. I need you to understand that where I stand on abortion is not held because of my biblical understanding. It is held through scientific understanding that is then bolstered through my biblical understanding. Life begins at conception, and to take that life, that innocent life, is murder. And there is no way around that. There is no other ideas. There's no way you can determine it differently. You can try, but you're going to have to jump through mental gymnastics that just aren't possible to get through. It's just not a way you can do it. I want you to think about what I've said. Maybe you've had an abortion. Maybe you are proud of it. Maybe you regret it with every fiber of your being. The thing is, no matter what, there is still a future for you. There is still a hope for you. This is where I would like to bring in the reality of Jesus. Because while abortion and the commission of the abortion is a sin, it is wrong. There's no way around that. There is a cross. And there is grace. You see, your sin, though it has greater consequences than mine, it is no worse than mine. You see, I know who I am, and I know the atrocities that I've committed in my life. I know the people I've hurt, the pain I've inflicted. I know it, and I live with it every day. But I live under the grace of Jesus, and you can too. Don't give up hope. Don't think that this is unforgivable because it's not. Don't think that there is no way you will ever find peace again because it's just not true. You can have peace. You can have hope. And that is in the name of Jesus. If you'd like to know more about that, I want you to reach out to me. Let me know. And I'll get you in contact with people that are able to help you, whether that's with a crisis pregnancy, maybe that's with counseling. Whatever you need, I am here to help because the last thing I want you to think is that you're alone because you're not. 
And this whole podcast has been passionate and it's been loud. That's because I believe it is important. But what I need you to know is you are important and you matter. I know this episode has been longer than any that I've done so far, and it has been far, far heavier than any podcast I've done before. But I think that this is that important. I cannot sit by and allow what I believe to be wrong to take place and not say a thing. This is a one-off. I don't plan to have episodes like this very often. So don't think that just because you've heard this one, that this is what it's going to be in the future. Maybe, maybe not. But I don't want you, I don't want you to think that I don't care about the outcome and what's next for people on both sides of this argument, because I do care. I care very deeply about where we're going and what's going to happen and what the church needs to do to step up and help those who need it most. All right, guys, I thank you for listening to this episode. It's been long. It's been pretty heavy. It's been pretty deep, but I think it was important. And I hope that you will be back and you will join me back on Tuesday for the next episode of Zach's Fact Shack, where we learn all kinds of weird and crazy stuff. And occasionally we also learn some pretty important and heavy information. So I will see you next time for more Zach's Fact Shack. See you next time. Mm-hmm.